Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Starseed Kitchen podcast. I'm your host, Chef Whitney Aronoff, founder of Starseed Kitchen and High Vibration Foods. This is your source for information to empower you to be a positive seed for change in your community. Join me for conversation where we learn about food, wellness, and spiritual concepts for high vibration living. I'll be sharing my knowledge and learning with you from experts providing insight into nourishing all the layers of you, the physical, emotional, spiritual, and etheric bodies, so you can thrive in 5D. Let's get started. Today, I have the pleasure of getting to do a solo episode and answer all the questions you guys have sent in to me. So if you follow me on Instagram at Whitney Aronoff or at Starseed Kitchen, or if you subscribe to my email newsletter, which you can sign up for at starseedkitchen.com, you'll get an opportunity to always send in questions that you need answered. So anything you're curious about in regards to food, health, wellness, whether it's farmer's market related, tools in the kitchen, how to meal prep on your own, that's what I'm here for, to help answer the questions that you have so you can be more empowered to serve yourself and cook for yourself at home. I always say the best and healthiest meal that you can eat is always the one you prepare for yourself and make at home because you get to choose the ingredients. You get to choose the tools that you use, the non-toxic cookware, and you control your attitude. You know, your hands allow you to infuse your food with energy beyond our understanding at this moment in time. So much more is being infused into your meal than just the ingredients that you put in it. So if you really want to take control of how you feel in your physical body, the quality of your health, the energy that you have in your life, the best thing you can do is learn to prepare health supportive from scratch, whole food meals for you. So with that in mind, I'm gonna be answering some of your questions today. So let's go ahead and get started. Number one, at the farmer's market, how do you really know who is a good source and a good grower? This is a great question. And I actually answer this question in an upcoming podcast episode that I have with 
Samantha Savage Bright. She is the owner of a store called The Salt Horse. You can find it online at thesalthorse.com or on Instagram. And she does a farm box, kind of like a CSA box that you can sign up for every week. She has tons of relationships with different farms and different farmers markets and helps people get really fresh in-season food onto their table, as well as she has a general store that provides really well curated, health supportive ingredients. And we talk a lot about how do you really know who's a good source at the farmer's market? But until you get to that podcast, I'll fill you in on a few things that I look for. So when I walk around the farmer's market, I really prefer doing a loop before I dive right in. You know, once you regularly go to the farmer's market, like I enjoyed doing before I was a chef and had more free time. So back in the days that I lived in Washington, D.C., and I lived right next to the DuPont DuPont Circle Farmer's Market. So it was easy for me to attend every Sunday morning. I really do recommend if you can get yourself up on the day of your farmer's market and be there when it first opens, I've always had the best experience then because you have more produce options. There's just more available because they haven't sold out and there aren't crowds. It hasn't gotten too hot. It's just easy. So number one, my recommendation is get there first and start to develop, if you can, a regular routine of attending because then you'll know all the stands. And once you do the research to figure out who has the quality you're looking for, then it's easy to get in and out and on with your day. So what do I look for? I look for organic or organic practices. So the organic industry is just as corrupt as the food industry, meaning it costs a lot of money to get certified organic And it doesn't necessarily mean it's better for you. So what you're really looking for is you just want someone that's not using pesticides, herbicides, and insecticides. And organic food still allows you to use that stuff. They're just using using a certified version of the herbicides, insecticides, and and pesticides. So you just need to ask. You just need to go around and ask. Some people have labels saying that they're certified organic. That's great. And the people that aren't labeled certified organic, just ask, are you growing with pesticides, herbicides, insecticides? Do you guys grow your food with biodynamic practices? You know, just ask questions. They'll absolutely let you know. And if they don't feel comfortable, they'll turn away from the camera. You know, we... We all know when someone feels uncomfortable with a question or is lying or doesn't feel like they can answer it properly. And, you know, they won't look at you when they're answering the question. They'll start to get a little bit fussy and, you know, you you, got to just read the room. Um, But that's what I look for. Um, I look for where it's grown or I just ask because, you know, I want to know. And that's the whole point of being at the farmer's market, right? Is we're finding out where our food comes from. So as a chef, as a personal chef, I go to the grocery store every day. So it's hard for me to actually get to the farmer's market because that's my one day off. You know, I don't necessarily want to have to go buy food when I've been at the market all week long, but I am trying to make a practice of going once a month. And long before I was a chef, it's what I did every weekend. It's where I bought a majority of my produce. So one way that I always figured out 
the stands that I liked was trial and error, taste testing, as well as listening to where people are going and what people like. You know, that's how I've also been introduced to a lot of different foods that I hadn't experienced before. So the farmer's market was just a great education for me when I was in my 20s. It's where I learned about celery root. It's where I learned about Romanesco. These weren't items back then that you could find at the grocery store. They were only available at farmer's markets. And I would see them and I wouldn't know what they were. So you just ask. And then if I bought it, I didn't know how to prepare it. So you just ask and you'll get easy guidance on it. Um, A great tool if you're exploring, trying new fruits and vegetables that you aren't as familiar with is picking up the book called The New Whole Foods Encyclopedia by Rebecca Wood. And that will allow you to open the book to any whole food ingredient and find out where it's originally from in the world, how it's grown, when it's in season, and the simple and proper preparation methods for that food. So I highly recommend that book if you're getting started on your farmer's market experience. Another question was very similar. What questions do you ask? What do you look for in farmer's market signage to really know? Again, I love finding out where that particular farm is. So I love finding out where the food is grown. So when I was in Washington, DC, the apples are incredible on the East Coast. And my favorite apples were from this one stand where they were all grown near Gettysburg. So it's fun to find out where your food is being grown. Um, When I was at the farmer's market in Laguna Beach the other weekend, uh, there was a beautiful display of all different types of summer squash and zucchini. So I just asked them where the food was grown and they said Escondido. And that made me really excited because when I was growing up, my family had a small avocado farm in Escondido and we lived there till I was seven years old. So I have a deep love for Escondido and the San Pasqual Valley because that's where I grew up as a little kid. So I, of course, went ahead and and bought some of their beautiful produce. And it's just really nice to build a connection with the land where your food's coming from. How long is too long for frozen meats? This is a great question, considering a lot of people stocked up on frozen food during 2022, 2021, And still now, a lot of people are getting into buying additional freezers for their garage, which is great if you're taking the proactive steps to sourcing grass-finished and field-harvested meat. That's the best type of meat that you can purchase for yourself and for your family. You can listen to my episodes with Liz Riffle and Riffle Bison Farm to learn more about what field harvested meat is and why that's really the most health supportive animal protein you can choose and a label that you really need to look for, but it's hard to find. You have to usually go to your farmer's market or shop online and get that frozen food delivered in order to access grass finished and field harvested. And so once you get it and you put it in your freezer, how long do you have to enjoy it for? And you really want to, in my personal opinion, use that meat within one year. The USDA says four to 12 months. I have found one year is just fine. Depending on the cut, maybe six months to a year, I would use the steaks at first. I tend to purchase ground meat ground organ meat, bones, 
um, stew meat, brisket, um, anything that I would slow cook like short ribs, those are the type of meats that I prefer to freeze. Um, so I would look into those cuts and if you have any meat in your freezer that's over a year old, either use it up this week or maybe it's time to move on. How long is too long for frozen veggies? So very similar, eight to 12 months. You know, with proper storage, they can last beyond that date, but they'll have deteriorated in quality and nutritious and nutrition density. And really we eat for nutrition. We eat for energy. So we eat for the energy transfer. We eat for celebration. We eat for joy. We eat for the fun of the experience, for the flavor. So if you're not getting food that tastes good, is nutritionally dense, is revitalizing, which is passing you know, energy onto you, what's the point? Um, so again, when you purchase anything for your freezer, it's not forever, it's just temporary food. So you're purchasing something that, hey, isn't going to last in the refrigerator for three, four weeks, um, but you're not putting it in the freezer to last a lifetime. So just think if you're putting it in the freezer, you really only want it there for six months. And then you just want to keep turning over every six months. So think about that. If there's one thing that you're going to hold on to longer, maybe some frozen peas or um, lime, frozen lima beans, anything that you could use um, in case you get a little bruise or hurt somewhere on your body and you kind of just need a cold compress, they can always come into handy for something like that. Are there any special tools that I love to have in the kitchen? Absolutely. So there's a few basic tools that everybody should have in the kitchen. And as a personal chef, I've had the pleasure of getting to enter so many different families' homes and kitchens. So at this exact moment that we are chatting, I have five different clients that I work for every week. And so it's fun because I get to see all the tools that they've chosen to bring into their kitchen and bring into their life. And everyone is obviously different because everyone shops in different places and also gets their info from different places. So these are the basic tools that everyone should have in their kitchen if they want to be able to cook health supportive meals for themselves. Number one, you need a good sharp knife. You know, a lot of people are intimidated by knives, but a knife doesn't have any power unless it's in your hand. A knife isn't dangerous. It can't do anything to you if it's just sitting in a drawer or sitting on the counter. Um, it comes to life in your hands. So find a good sharp knife that you are comfortable holding, that feels good in your hand, um, it should be beautiful to you. It should be something you want to use. So get a great knife and then you can cook anything. You can slice anything, you can chop anything. You won't have any issues. Secondly is a really good wood cutting board. And I emphasize wood cutting board. Your cutting board should be out of a natural fiber. Because when you use those plastic cutting boards, you're going to get microplastic in your food. I mean, that knife is cutting that plastic, just like the knife is cutting the wood. The wood is a much safer bet than the plastic. And the plastic, 
unfortunately, there's a lot of gimmicks out there. And I've seen in a lot of homes that paper thin plastic and they buy a set that, you know, one is for meat, one is for vegetables, one is for fish. That is a marketing gimmick. And those cutting boards are also extremely unsafe because they're plastic thin. People put them through the dishwasher. So when I go to look for cutting boards in people's homes, I pull out this thin flimsy plastic that doesn't even lay flat and safe on your kitchen counter. So a cutting board should lay flat, should be sturdy, should not move when you use it. And it needs to be large. So if your cutting board is the size of a piece of paper, an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper, that's too small. If your cutting board is the size of your laptop, that is too small. You need a large surface space to work on so you can be comfortable. So your vegetables, your meat, whatever you're chopping isn't rolling off anywhere. Um, and it needs to be a natural material because your food is soaking into it. Your food is touching it. Your knife is touching it a good wood cutting board is very, very important. Other things that I find extremely helpful, other tools that are extremely helpful for the kitchen, good mixing bowls, kitchen towels that you can use and not stress about. It's the best way to wash your vegetables. You need really good sea salt. Make sure to always look at your ingre the ingredient list on salt. You'll be surprised by the caking agents, the MSG, the citric acid, the maldextrin, all the bizarre ingredients that are in some sea salts. So get some good, good sea salt. Make sure the only ingredient is sea salt. Get some good pepper, really good extra virgin olive oil. Again, one that is organic or from a farm that does organic or biodynamic practices. And then get some ghee or butter as well. So something that's more supportive for high heat, even some good quality coconut oil. And lastly, everyone needs a pot, a saute pan, and a Dutch oven, I would say, in their kitchen. What are the most important tools to have in a kitchen for easy meal prep? So a little bit similar, um, but if we're focusing on meal prep, so we're focusing on preparing food and putting it in containers so you can easily grab it later. So meal prep's the concept that if you're gonna make yourself a salad for lunch, why not make yourself three salads and put two away for lunch tomorrow and lunch the following day? So it's just a lot easier to eat without having to prepare the same thing every day. So you're able to cut down on your time. So the energy that it takes for you to put one dinner together or one lunch together, you might as well do a few more. It's not going to really take you any more time to slice up a few more veggies. So if you're looking for tools to make meal prep a little easier, focus on the containers that you're putting your food in. So I like to find really large containers that can hold my salad so I can just have all my chopped ingredients in one place. And I like it when the container is bigger than you need it to be. So that way there's air, there's extra room in the container. So you can just add your salad dressing in, toss the food around and eat it without it overflowing out of the container. So I am a big fan of the extremely large Pyrex containers, whether you get the rectangle or the large, or the large circle with a lid, those are my favorite food containers for meal prep. 
I think mixing bowls are really ideal for meal prep. And I love the mixing bowls that have lids or you can go online. Jenny Kane has them. Koyuchi has them. A few different people and places have them. They're fabric covers that have an elastic rim that can go over any size bowl. So that's really nice because let's say you make yourself a coleslaw, a potato salad, um, some sort of large portion deli salad, instead of mixing it in the mixing bowl and putting it all together and then putting it into a smaller container, you can just put a cover over your mixing bowl and throw it in the fridge and call it a day. It makes life a lot easier. Um, William Sonoma has great selection of mixing bowls with lids. So those perfectly stacked mixing bowls that are really easy to store in your house, especially if you don't have much space and you can find different styles that come with lids. So it's basically a twofer. I highly suggest. Big mason jars are really great for meal prep as well. So I'm talking about the 32 ounce ball jars and you wanna always get the wide mouth. And then I like to separately buy the wide mouth lids that are made out of plastic because if you're using your ball jars for meal prep and you're using the metal lids that come with the jars, you can't wash those lids very much before they start rusting. And then the rust will get on the jar and you don't want to eat rust. Um, you don't want your food touching that rust from the lid that's now permeated onto the jar. So I highly suggest just going ahead and when you order your 32 ounce ball jars with the wide mouth, you go ahead and get the wide mouth plastic lids. It's super helpful. This is great for storing soup, storing bone broth, storing sauces. If you see me around town, you'll see that I always drink my water out of the ball jars. If you ever watch these podcast episodes on my YouTube channel, you'll see I'm drinking out of the ball jars. They're just great storage containers. I also use small jars. So I tend to save a variety of glass jars throughout my cooking in life. And that's what I use for my salad dressing. So whether I make my salad dressing in the blender or if I'm just doing a simple shaking of salad dressing, storing in a glass jar is a lot easier. Food lasts longer in glass than plastic. So food reacts to whatever you put it in. So that's why you always wanna make sure your food is going in non-reactive containers. So I always store my food in glass. The only time I put my food in plastic is if I'm traveling and I need it to be lightweight because I'm going to an airport or I'm going long distance where I'm going to be carrying food and I can't handle the extra weight. Or maybe when I go to the beach or to the pool and again, I need it to be lightweight or it may not be safe for glass to be in that particular area. But other than that, in your home, you really wanna be storing your food in glass or in something ceramic um, or clay. Next question is, where do I prefer to purchase tools? So I like to purchase all my tools in person versus online. I usually only purchase online if it's a reoccurring order. So I already have one and I need another. As a chef and as someone that's super visual and that likes the things that I purchase to be a certain size or I have an idea of how I want to be working with it, for me, in order to get 
what I want, I always have to purchase it in person. So I go to the Williams Sonoma stores. I go to Sir La Table, and I love high-end home stores. So I'm a big fan of a store here in Orange County called Juxtaposition. They have a great selection of home goods. I'm a big fan of a store, of a cooking store in Sedona, Arizona called The Artist's Kitchen Shop. They have some great salad bowls there. So wherever I go in the world, I kind of always look for culinary stores or really high-end home stores. And that's when I find fantastic curated items for my kitchen. Um, there's great websites as well. If you're looking for something specific, you know, Food 52 is a great website for shopping. There's so many fantastic little curated stores online now. Um, it's always worth giving it a shot, but overall, I purchase my tools in person. And as a personal chef, I have the great pleasure of getting to cook in so many different people's kitchens and experiencing their tools. That's how I often get exposed to new things that I want, or I try brands that I wouldn't have tried before. And I realize, wow, I really like the grip, or I really like how this works and cuts, or, you know, at next time, like for instance, when I'm, what I'm thinking about when I'm talking about this right with you right now is a peeler. So a vegetable peeler. So what you would use to peel potatoes, peel carrots. I have the peeler by Open Kitchen at Williams-Sonoma. My clients have a peeler by OXO and I like the one by OXO a lot better. It's a lot softer and easier to grip in my hands. You know, when I use my peeler from Open Kitchen, my hand starts to hurt. And with the OXO, my hand doesn't hurt. It's really easy to peel. And then my peeler, the one from William Sonoma, it, it doesn't, it actually doesn't peel well, the open kitchen one. It is a lot harder to actually peel the potato. And the OXO one, it's super easy. And, you know, now I know when my peeler finally hits the dust, the next one I purchase is going to be OXO. So sometimes it's just trial and error too. Hi, I'm Chef Whitney Aronoff. As a personal chef, I created custom organic spices for my clients. These blends are of the highest quality with no added sugar, MSG, caking agents, or any junk. I want you to have the same access to good quality seasonings, which is why I've launched my line of organic spice blends. High Vibration Foods by Starseed Kitchen is my collection of chef-crafted organic spice blends made with only good-for-you ingredients. I use organic source spices, ancient mineral-rich Redmond Real Salt, prepare the blends listening to Kundalini mantra music, then charge the jars with the quartz Giza crystals for a true high vibration experience. You can now purchase my most requested blend, 11 Magic Herbs and Spices, on starseedkitchen.com. Use code STARSEED for 10% off your purchase. Can't wait for you to enjoy. All right, best cutting boards. So the best cutting board you can ever buy will be a wood cutting board. So number one, your cutting board should be wood. You should never be using a plastic cutting board. Get the plastic out of the kitchen. Number two, it needs to be a really big board. So you need to have lots of space to cook. So your cutting board is basically like an elevated extension of your kitchen counter. 
So make sure you have space. You know, your, your cutting board isn't meant to be like a little appetizer cheese board. It should be larger than an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. For me, the bigger, the better. So the biggest wood board I can get is what I like. But I will tell you this, it needs to be able to fit in your sink and you need to be able to wash it because with the cutting, with the wood cutting boards, you have to hand wash them. They can't go into the dishwasher. I have made that mistake. I highly suggest you don't put your wood cutting board in the dishwasher. That's because if your wood cutting board isn't one solid piece of wood, if it's made up of cut pieces that are glued together, uh, the glue, the wood glue will separate um, and melt when you're in, when it's in the dishwasher and you'll open your dishwasher and you'll find multiple wood pieces in there. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of the Boos boards, B-O-O-S, the Boos wood cutting boards. Those are really nice. Those are really classic. Um, if you walk into Williams-Sonoma or Sur La Table, They'll have a variety of options there. They'll even have their own brand of wood cutting boards. Sometimes, you know, this is another one. It's really nice to go and see it in person and pick it up and feel it. Um, see how you like how it weighs. See like how you like it sitting on a table in the store. Um, again, I've, I've made the mistake of ordering cutting boards online before. I have a better experience when I purchase them in person. So something to think about. And again, do not participate in the scam of this cutting board is for meat. This cutting board is for veggies. This cutting board is for fish. Um, don't buy those. It's a scam. A cutting board is a cutting board. You're going to wash it. Um, if you're concerned about the sanity, <laughs> the sanity, um, if you're concerned about your cutting board getting really clean and sanitized, boil water. So boiling water cleans everything. You can clean your kitchen countertop with boiling water. You can mop your floors with boiling water. You can just take boiling water and pour it over your cutting board. It'll sanitize it. So when in doubt, just throw boiling water on it. You'll be good to go. Best knife sets. So I'm not a fan of knife sets. I prefer buying the knives that you actually need. Um, because I'm a chef, I know what I need. So I need a main, a main knife, a main chef knife, um, whether it's French or Japanese. So French, a French knife means it has that point at the tip. You know, if you start looking at knives, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. When you think of a, of a traditional knife, it's that large knife with a pointed tip. And then that same knife exists where it's flat instead of point pointed, and that's called a Japanese knife. Um, so you just need one good knife. Um, you need like a, a paring knife, so a smaller knife. Um, and then I always say a bread knife. So you need a serrated knife. That's the one with the little the little ridges. That's so great, not just for cutting bread, but cutting anything that's soft. So whether you're cutting soft tomatoes, soft peaches, a serrated knife is best every time. Um, those are the three knives you need. And then there's so many more that you can get after that. Um, and then if you're someone that likes to cook a lot of steak, prepare lamb, um, elk, any, any meats, you want to have a few 
steak knives. Um, so really up to you if you feel like you need a knife set and you're going to use everything in that set. When it comes to brands, there's a lot of brands out there. Knives, you really want to go and have an experience in person if possible, because like I mentioned before with like the cutting board, you want to hold it in your hand and see how it feels. Um, and you want to really like your knife. It should be beautiful to you. Like you should be really stoked on how it looks. It should be cool to you because you're going to be using it. If you like your knife, you'll probably cook more. You know, I have picked up knives before at clients' homes that weigh a ton that aren't comfortable in my hand. Um, and then I've picked up knives at clients' homes that are lighter than air and feel so good in the hand and are so sharp, sharp that I love using their knives more than the knives in my bag. So pick it up, feel it out. Um, I use a Mercer knife because it's kind of like my, it's my hard worker. It has a rubber handle. It's one that you can use for hours and it's not going to hurt your hand. Um, a lot of my clients have the Shun Premier knives. You can find them at Williams-Sonoma. They range, if you're looking at the Shun Premier Chef knife, it's it's about $179 to $199. That's pretty common. It is an outstanding knife. If you want to go buy one knife, um, the Shun Premier Chef knife, fantastic. I love it. I have two clients that have that brand of knives and they're fantastic. I love them. Huge fan. Um, and they have a variety of different woods that you can get at the end. So you can find one that you really like that really speaks to you. There's a brand that I've been following for a long time. It's a smaller brand. I'm going to try not to butcher the name. I think it's pronounced Miesermeister. Uh, I've been really interested in those knives and been wanting to try them. Um, they also have some travel knives that look really, really cool um, that I believe Adam Glick, um, Chef Adam Glick um, helped design. Those look really, really cool. I really want to try them. So that's kind of on my long-term Christmas gift list to myself. Um, but invest in a really good knife and you'll have it for many, many, many years. Um, I've never had to get rid of knives before. It's like, once you have them, there's no reason to ever get rid of them. If you're buying a decent quality knife and I take them in to get sharpened, they only cost anywhere from seven to $12 to get sharpened. Um, so invest in a good knife. And then when you need to get them sharpened, there's some online options. Now there's some mail-in options. And then if you're in a major city, there's probably a chef's toys near you. Um, anyone can go to a chef's toys. And that's where I like to take my knives because I, I kind of consider like where are tons of people taking their knives to get sharpened. That's where I want to take my knives because there's people that are doing it over and over and over again. And I want the expert working on my knife. You can also take them into Williams Sonoma, Sur La Taube, any kitchen store. Some farmers markets have knife sharpeners there, um, but find a place and then be consistent. So that way you're always taking your knives into the same place. So this, hopefully the same person's working on the knife. You can also sharpen your knife at home and you can buy a sharpening block. Um, and how that works, the sharpening block um, is, is a little bit bigger than a deck of cards and you soak it in water um, for an hour and then you sharpen your knife on the block. Um, it's a fun practice. Um, 
or you can take it in and have someone else sharpen it. So two options there for you, but invest in a good knife. Maybe two, if you want to have a backup for when you send in your knives to get sharpened and you'll be good to go. All right. What are my favorite brands for pots and pans? So, so interesting. I just ordered a few new pots and pans and I'm also on the hunt for a few different things. So I'll tell you what's in my lineup, what I'm looking for, what I am investing in and what I want to invest more in. Um, Extrema cookware. So Extrema non-toxic ceramic cookware. I have a lot of that. And so do one of my clients. Um, I'm a big fan of them. So they make pure clay ceramic non-toxic cookware. Um, basically the way people made cookware hundreds of years ago. I have a great, great podcast episode all about non-toxic cookware. I highly suggest you tune into that one. That one was from more of the beginning of 2021, I believe. Definitely listen to that episode. It's fantastic. So you can't go wrong with any of Extrema cookware. Um, I'm a huge fan of their little, their little seven inch skillet. It's the perfect skillet for two eggs and it's completely non-toxic. So that's what I cook a lot of my food in. I just ordered one of their larger, larger skillets, I believe the 10 inch. And then I also just ordered their baking dish. So that way I can roast my vegetables in their baking dish um, just to get my food off parchment away from aluminum. I'm looking for the most health supportive non-toxic way to prepare my food. And clay and ceramic is always the way to go. Um, I also picked up from them, they have like a, a cupcake pan that's all ceramic. Um, so then that way you can, you can butter the little insides of the cupcake pan, cook your cupcakes or your muffins or your um, little egg frittatas in there, pop them right out. And then again, it's just a completely non-toxic way of preparing your food. You don't have to use any parchment paper and wonder what's in or on the parchment. Um, and all these pieces are lifetime pieces. So I should have the Extrema cookware for my entire life. Um, as long as I take care of it, you know, it's good to go. And what's really nice about ceramic cookware, uh, it holds its heat. So once you're done cooking, you can put your lid off, lid on the pot, turn off the stove, and the food's going to stay hot or continue to cook. Um, so it takes a little time to get used to using a different type of cookware. It's not automatic that heats up and it stays warm long after you've, you've turned off the stove. But once you've experienced it, it's super easy to use and it's the healthiest way to cook your food. So look into Extrema ceramic cookware. When it comes to metal cookware, I'm a huge fan of all clad. Um, that I would say is the number one. You really wanna be careful with your metal pots and pans that they aren't leaching metal into your food. So that's the tough thing. I'm kind of at this phase where I have a bunch of revereware that I bought when I was 21. Um, long before I was a chef, my family and I have always been into cooking. So when I got my first apartment after college, <laughs> my parents helped me, They purchase a, a bed for me, just, you know, a, a mattress. 
and they purchased everything that I needed for my kitchen, but nothing else. So if anybody knew me back when I was 21 or 22 years old, I had absolutely no furniture. All I had was a bed and a, and you know, a, a coil, you know, mattress frame. I had no actual bed frame. I just had a bed and I had a fully stocked kitchen. I had everything you needed for the kitchen. Um, my kitchen was better stocked and furnished than my entire apartment. Um, and it's been all worth it because I still have a lot of those pieces, but what I still have is my revere wear pots and pans. So they're about 20 years old now. So the question is, are they leaking heavy metals into my food when I cook with them because they're so old? I don't know. So the safest thing to do is probably to move on to ceramic cookware, which isn't going to leach and just hold those pots and pans um, for, you know, experiment. So it's always nice to have old pots and pans. Let's say you want to make candles at home um, or there's just different arts and crafts projects where it's always nice to have the pots and pans that you aren't worried about getting wrecked. So I'll probably save my old revereware pots and pans for something like that. Um, but otherwise I'm really all about the non-toxic ceramic cookware right now. And on that note, that's where kind of Le Creuset and Staub comes in. They're non-toxic. They are ceramic as well. They're beautiful. They last a lifetime. They can go from the stove into the oven. Um, so I'm a huge fan of those and having Dutch ovens in different size. And I'm really on the hunt for more clay, terracotta, and stoneware options. So that's what I'm really curious in finding. I want to find more beautiful, small brand, one-off, non-toxic cookware items that I can slow cook food in the oven. I can slow cook it on the stove. That's what I'm looking for right now. So if anybody has any leads, let me know. What do I use kitchen scissors for? So this is a great question and so funny to have gotten it just because I did a reel on Instagram just a few days ago about how do I use my kitchen scissors? And I've had multiple clients ask me about them too. Everyone needs to get a pair of kitchen scissors. Um, so mine are Mercer, they're about $15. You can get them online. You can get them if you walk into Chef's Toys. Um, what's, what's great about them, one, is they cut through everything. Two, you just open them up. They're just two pieces that, you know, clip together. And so that way they're really easy to wash. And I use them for everything. So when I pull out my knife from my knife bag, when I'm in my client's home, I always pull out my kitchen scissors. I use them to chop herbs. I use them to, you know, small dice chives. Um, if I need to do little basil strips, I use them for opening every container. Um, you know, I don't like to just tear off the top of a container of Lund Lundberg rice or, um, or gluten-free flour. I like to nicely trim the, tr the top. So that's what I use the kitchen scissors for. I use them to trim the parchment paper. Um, you know, if you're buying like a leg of lamb and it has the string wrapped around it, that's when I would use the kitchen scissors to open any food containers. Um, the kitchen scissors are vital. I love them. So get your pair, so yourself a pair of kitchen scissors. It's, it's an outstanding tool. I promise you night and day from regular scissors, 
regular scissors are not going to cut it. You have to get the, the heavy duty kitchen scissors. Um, are there any special tools you love to have in the kitchen? I love my kitchen scissors. Um, but again, if you follow me on Instagram, if you've ever been on my culinary team, if I've ever done a party for you, um, catered an event, you will know that I have a deep, deep love for my OXO mandolin. So there are a lot of different mandolins on the market. I highly suggest the OXO mandolin. It's the safest mandolin I've ever seen out there. Um, I'm intimidated by a lot of the other mandolins. This is the only brand that I will use because it has a really nice grip handle on one end. It holds very sturdy on the kitchen countertop and it very clearly allows you to see all the different cuts widths and styles that you can slice your food in. It's crystal clear. And when you start looking into mandolins, you'll see that most are not that way. So huge fan of the OXO mandolin. It's a life changer. If you are someone that likes vegetables, if you're someone that likes salads, it's the number way just to mix up the way that you slice your food and slice your vegetables, which will make them taste completely different. So if you're in a funk, and you're bored of the same old, same old, get a mandolin and start simply slicing your food on a mandolin and it'll, it'll spice things up for you. I, I promise. I love my mandolin kind of, kind of best decision I've ever made in my life to get a mandolin. Seriously. Every, I mean, my parents have even bought the mandolin, like everyone's on mandolin. So good. Um, I will wrap things up with you guys and I will just kind of answer one more question today and reserve the rest for another episode. How do I take care of a cast iron skillet? So whew, a lot of people have different ideas on how to clean a cast iron skillet. I've grown up cooking in the cast iron skillet. My parents made most of our food in cast iron skillets. Um, they actually prepared a lot of our food in my grandmother's cast iron skillet. Um, and I can't remember the story if my grandma gave my parents a skillet or, you know, my parents just decided to conveniently walk out of their house one day with their skillet. I don't know how that happened, but um, I know that it was, everything's been cooked in my grandma's cast iron skillet. And if I go over to my parents' house every night of the week, that you stop in, they're cooking in that cast iron skillet and they're probably making breakfast in it too. So it literally lasts a lifetime. Um, the way that I enjoy cleaning my cast iron skillet is really simple, is I boil water. So what I do with the skillet when I'm done is I wash it off in the sink with just water. If there's anything stuck to it, I take a really good bristled a really good metal cleaning sponge. So something that can really get in there and scrub whatever that stuff is off. I wash it out again. Um, if there's anything that's not coming off, I fill the pot with a little bit of water and I boil water in the cast iron skillet. Um, best tip for cleaning any pots and pans, anytime there's something stuck on there, especially if it's sugary. So especially if you did like, um, a blueberry sauce, 
which I do a lot. That sauce is on my website. It's a great steak sauce. Um, it's a traditional, actually Florentine Italian steak sauce, a blueberry sauce. But if you're cooking an orange sauce for chicken, anything that's a little sugary, and it's hard to clean off the pot and pan afterwards, just put water in the pot after you've washed it out, boil it on the stove, and then it's so easy to clean up. So easiest thing you can do with your cast iron skillet is just boil water in it to sanitize it. And then after that, you can let it dry out, use a towel, pat it dry, and then you can season it with a little co coconut oil, a little olive oil. That's what I would stick to. I am not a fan of avocado oil, canola oil, grapeseed oil, any of those oils. Um, but I think that's a conversation for another time. I really stick with coconut oil, butter, ghee, lard, animal fat, olive oil. That's about it. So I think that is uh, enough questions for you guys today. Um, if you have any questions that you want me to answer on the podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Whitney Aronoff. You can follow Starseed Kitchen on Instagram at Starseed Kitchen. You can visit the website starseedkitchen.com. You can subscribe to our newsletter. And through those three outlets, you can really submit questions anytime that you would like me to answer on one of our podcast episodes or look out for when I ask you guys for specific questions and I'll be sure to address them here. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. And if you enjoyed the conversation, please share this episode with a friend or family member and be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify to help support the podcast. You can shop my line of organic spice blends on starseekitchen.com. And these are the same spice blends I use as a personal chef in my client home. So I have them there to help support you in your culinary journeys at home and make sure that you're getting the organic spices and ingredients that you need for flavorful meals that are also gonna make you feel good. And thank you so much for being a part of the Star Soup Kitchen community and for tuning in today. Have a blessed day. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Starseed Kitchen podcast. For more Starseed Kitchen, visit our website at starseedkitchen.com and follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Be sure to pick up a jar of my High Vibration Foods organic spices, which you can purchase on starseedkitchen.com. And you can find me and follow along on my cooking adventures on all your favorite social media channels at Whitney Aronoff. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.